for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Ethan Strauss, who covers the Warriors for the Athletic. And he had a great piece the other day about Steph Curry's MVP odds. Steve Kerr, head coach of the Warriors, said earlier this week that Steph may be playing better basketball than he's ever seen before. And despite being a two-time MVP and a three-time NBA champion, and we're used to these type of impressive performances, he may be shooting at a clip that we have never seen before, even for his standards. All stuff we can talk about with Ethan Strauss, who joins me next. It's Friday. February 12th. Always fun talking NBA with Ethan Strauss, covers basketball and the Warriors for The Athletic. And I guess Ethan will open up by asking you, man, what's wrong with Steve Kerr, man? Why isn't he playing Steph 45 minutes a night? What's the deal, dude? I don't know. He must hate every Warriors fan and Steph and winning um, all of those things. What can I say? He's just a misanthrope. He just doesn't get it. You know what I mean? He doesn't understand how to manage uh, his guy for the long-term success. So you had a great piece the other day about Steph and the MVP conversation. And I don't think anybody in the Bay Area uh, has an issue discussing Steph Curry as an MVP. But for some reason, and he's a polarizing player when you talk about him around the league. Talk to me about the MVP odds and, and what brought you to, to writing this piece about him. Steph was, at the moment I started writing the piece, he was at plus 1,400 for the MVP. In a matter of hours, after that 57-point performance on ABC against the Mavericks, in which he lost in a very Jerry West fashion, he was uh, awarded in terms of betting odds. Uh, it went from plus 1,400 to plus 1,100. At last check, still at plus 1,100. And I just think that's good value. You put a gun to my head, and I don't know why you would on the question of who wins MVP. I think LeBron James probably has the best shot at it right now, but I don't think anybody has a better shot at it than LeBron does when you look at those other tiers, but you've got all these guys who have way better odds than Steph has, and I just don't think that really fits the historical profile of who wins the MVP award. Now, figuring this stuff out is not a perfect science. It's a futures bet. It's tough to hedge your bet with something like this. It's not like betting the Warriors to, to win the Western Conference and then hedging it once they get into the playoffs. So I guess the next question is how we determine who the MVP is going to be when you determine whether or not you want to place a bet on something like this. And by the way, you can check out all these odds that we're talking about now at betmgm.com per our new partnership with BetMGM Sportsbook. So as you mentioned, he's up to plus 1200 now. A $100 bet would net you 1200 bucks on Steph Curry. Oh, did he drop? I think I thought he was at plus 1100 Oh, man. I've got him at plus 1200 as of this recording right now. Ooh, that's, that's tasty. Yeah, he's looking pretty good still. Uh, so a lot can change. Luka Doncic has the best odds with LeBron James at plus 500 at this moment. Kevin Durant at plus 600. So this is all kind of kind of shifting and shaking as we move through. And where is that Luka? Like, where are those odds coming from? I mean, it is a little strange. I'm sure there's some sort of explanation. We went into it thinking that Luka, he was about to have his MVP season, but... The Mavericks are worse than the Warriors so far this season. So I don't really understand what we're doing there. What's kind of funny to me is like how you get to the MVP race, right? Like for me, it can happen on the back end of the season, right? We're doing this to sort of split the season in half. We don't even know what the schedule makeup is going to be yet for the back end. So I wonder if like a guy like Luka for a team that, that starts off really poorly, like they have played the Dallas Mavericks, if they come on strong at the back end of the season and they make some huge push and play great down the stretch, that's sort of that recency bias, right? Caught in your memory about, about how well he's played lately. I think that that could certainly happen, too. And I would say this, at least you're going with a perimeter player. I mean, that's the point I make in the article. Joel Embiid, he might be the deserving MVP. We voted on it today. But the last time a center won the MVP award was over 20 years ago 
with Shaq. I think it was 21 years ago. And a few times after that, you had a big man win it who wasn't a center, but that was a long time ago. That was early 2000s if KG or Tim Duncan was winning it. That's not how the league is observed. That's not how the sport is generally played from an offensive perspective. And so if Embiid wins it, maybe it's this idea of, hey, centers are back, and that's part of that particular narrative. I see all these names in front of Steph, and I just look at it and I go, are we sure they have a better shot at winning it? And I think a lot of the reason for this is that there aren't huge expectations for the Warriors. They don't have a good roster around Steph right now with Clay being hurt. So I think the idea is that the Warriors are not going to win enough to get Steph that award, but you got to beat expectations. That's really the name of the game. And if Russell Westbrook can win the award with 47 wins, then I believe Steph will have a shot at it if he's doing some things we haven't seen before and the Warriors are a mid-table team. And I would add the following. There's this odd benchmark in the minds of voters who vote on MVP, and it's the idea of 60. 60 wins. Once you get 60 wins, we think, okay, that's a big deal. We're giving you the award. That ain't going to happen this season. It's a 72-game season. I mean, maybe it will happen. I mean, hey, hey, if it happens and it's the Lakers, then it's LeBron's MVP. But it's probably not going to happen. And if every single win total is diluted, I do think that opens up the floor for a glance at individual performance. You're right. It's real tough to gauge, I think, in any sport or, or to give somebody an MVP in any sport if that team is not winning, because then how valuable is that player if his team doesn't win games? However, we're talking about the, the the players around Steph right now. I was talking to Marcus Thompson before the season started. We were debating about who had a better shot at MVP before any games were played. We were talking Kevin Durant versus Steph Curry. And now you're saying, well, Steph has got all this, this, not that they're bad, but it's definitely not the talent Kevin Durant has about him. And so if his team plays well and he elevates that team, Team. His impact on the team is maybe greater than what Kevin Durant's would be, especially now after adding James Harden. However, we're like holding it against Steph for playing with worse players and playing better and almost crediting Kevin Durant for playing well with good players around him. Would you agree with that? Like how you weigh those two? Yeah, I think that there is something strange there. And I do think you just need the narrative momentum combined with brilliance. I'm looking right now. So these are the updated odds uh, as recently as Friday, where LeBron plus 250 and B plus 450, Durant plus 850, Jokic plus 400, Doncic plus 850, Steph plus 1100. The Jokic one is a little interesting because, again, the Nuggets, I mean, the Nuggets are about as good as the Warriors. And I, I love Jokic. I think he's fantastic. And you know, he might end up deserving it. Again, I just think that these odds are based perhaps a little bit too much on assumptions of win totals and things that I don't think are necessarily going to decide it in the end. Is there a quantifier for you or a qualifier that makes you a more valuable MVP asset or makes you a, a better selection for MVP? Because are we strictly going off wins or are we going to say, hey, if Steph has the same record as the Denver Nuggets, yet he goes 50-40-90, that means more? For Steph, I think it's mid-table. I think you got to get in the mid-table. I don't think just making the playoffs is good enough for him, but it's bunched up right now in the West. I mean, the separation between mid and bottom is a fingernail. So that for him can get him into the conversation combined with some individual exploits. But there's this other factor to it, which is that Steph plays the big games, man. Some of these guys, they don't get on the TV. They don't. 
And that is underrated. I mean, this is something that I, I beat the drum loudly on, the extent to which TV runs the NBA. And you see it again with All-Star, where the players don't want to play. But guess what? TNT has $7 billion coming to the NBA. So it's going to happen. So, Steph, you look at the schedule, it's who's getting on those primetime ABC games. You know, I cited that Mavericks game where he lost and it went from plus 1400 to plus 1100 because that's an example of what I'm talking about. He's got the big stage. He's playing in games that are viewed by triple the audience as some of the games played nationally that these guys can get on a TNT or an ESPN when, when Steph gets on network television. And some of these other guys, they're just not going to appear on TV often. The Nuggets, I mean, the Nuggets just aren't going to be on TV a lot. That is big in terms of how it shapes the national conversation. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It is funny, too, because you look at what Steph's doing. You're talking about him playing the big games. It's not just that. I open joking about the number of minutes he's playing. I think James Harden currently leads the league in minutes played around 38, which means he's still sitting for 10 minutes a night. Steph is around 36 and change, which puts him above a lot of these other candidates. I'm looking at some of the top candidates here for MVP. Jokic is sitting here at 35.9 a game. Uh, Joel Embiid at 32. LeBron at 34 and a half. Giannis at 33. It's funny because we're talking odds here versus like what a voter is going to see, right? I'm wondering if that means more to a voter than say just putting up the numbers in the amount of time you play that's less than Steph? It's a good question because the voters are an amalgam and it's it's good that you're asking this question because we got to talk about who's voting right and it's media members who are what we might consider journalists or reporters who are really into getting the call right but there are a bunch of team broadcasters and I know a lot of people who don't care at all and yet vote on this who are just going to go with the flow and go with with whatever seems to be on the A block on these sports TV shows getting discussed or top of the scroll on PTI, right? I think that's a lot of what's informing the votes. They're not so different from fans. The only way they might be different from fans is that there is a sense of wanting a fresh new narrative and being conscious of how the narrative is shaped, which is maybe how a Carl Malone wins MVP or why Giannis really has no shot at this thing, even if he plays well, because he just won it two times in a row. So I should say the powerful argument for Steph, it is a funny thing to discuss because I'm not an MVP voter, but I am in media and I'm talking about what the media conversation is. And in theory, I can have influence on it. The Warriors were the worst team in the NBA last season. They are pretty much the same team this season. So I think... That is something that should be discussed. And I know somebody could say, no, they got this player, that player. They got Brad Wanamaker. You know, it's pretty great. Um, <laughs> they, on the margins, have added some guys. And now they're getting a full dose of Wiggins. But for the most part, their team is not all that improved. And yet you're going from, theoretically, if Steph has a case in this, worst record to middle of the playoffs I think that's a case that can make itself if Steph can stay healthy if the Warriors can win enough it's a fair argument because if you take Giannis off the Bucks, like that team might still make some noise in the Eastern Conference like they, they might not be a contender but they might be okay whereas we saw what happens if you pull Steph and Clay off of this roster last year it's a 15 win warrior team and you mentioned you know going up and down the you know changing the narrative in the NBA the NBA does to me seem like the one sport where they kind of make the rounds like you see you hear every year LeBron could win the MVP every year and you'd probably have a case for it but if you go up and down you know obviously Giannis got the last two but Harden got his Westbrook got his Steph got 
got his. KD got his. Derrick Rose, maybe the outlier in there from back around 2010. But do you think that trend continues? I feel like a guy like Kawhi doesn't have a shot because of what you mentioned, right? He doesn't play enough games. Mm, I think that could be an issue. But then again, maybe Kawhi is good value as well. I haven't looked at his odds recently. I know Tom Haverstrow was saying that he likes the idea of Kawhi because he's one of those been around, some have said is the best player, beat LeBron, beat Steph. Maybe it's time that he finally gets his due credit. But yes, to what you're saying, I think there is a sense of you've got to play X amount of games. And what's so hard to project is what is that going to mean in a situation where you have fewer games in the regular season? I don't know. You know, my theory is that winning games matters less because you're not going to have that gaudy final total but maybe playing games matters more because just how few games you're playing is going to give people sticker shock that if a guy played most of the season but most of the season means i don't know 49 games there's going to be sticker shock effect to that and voters aren't going to glom onto that as much I do kind of think, though, that 72 games is enough, like in the in the, you know, the perspective of the NBA history. I think that that when we look back on it, just because we've had lockout seasons before, 72 games, I think, is plenty to crown an MVP. And I don't think it'll be an asterisk like player whatsoever. Yeah, I'm looking at the TV schedule. This is for the first half of the season, the national TV games. And there is some nuance here that's getting left out because that doesn't tell you the ABC games necessarily, which are the big showpiece games that the NBA puts out there and that's pretty Warriors heavy as far as I can see it started with uh, Celtics Lakers and then Warriors Mavericks and then you're going to have Warriors Nets as a big one coming up you only have six games national TV in the first half of the season for the Nuggets versus 14 for the Warriors 16 for the Lakers 14 for the Celtics 14 for the Mavericks so that just shows you that there is a there's a relative dearth of exposure right there and for the Sixers it's only nine so that's again something I'm looking at a little bit I think it's harder to get in the narrative and to shape it when you're not on national TV because guess what that's what the producers of all these sports talk shows are watching you really think Tony Kornheiser is flipping around league pass in the middle of the night I don't think he's doing that he's eating what is served up to him what is served up to him is LeBron James Steph Curry Doncic now and with a little bit of side of Giannis he's not searching out those Atlanta Hawks games dude on like that you know the 430 tips or whatever on a on a Wednesday evening hey a great conversation man a quick one on the way out if you could place a bet on one of these guys are you a betting guy in general are you I like betting I do I it gets a little bit iffy because I'm not sure what my rights and responsibilities are within this sphere I certainly had fun in my interregnum between ESPN and, and The Athletic, and I had a an NBA picks column about a year and a half ago that uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was so much work, eventually I had to get away from it. But yeah, you know, I like to bet. I think Steph is still not bad value based on how well no. they're playing, and, and who knows what happens with the second half TV schedule, like you're saying, just based on how they finish the first half. Yeah, maybe you do a Steph bet, and maybe you hedge it with LeBron if you think LeBron's the overwhelming favorite. That's a pretty good plan as long as, uh, and I should say, Joel Embiid, hopefully this is the season for him. I certainly hope so, but I don't believe he's, I don't believe he's ever really played a full season. So yeah, I kind of like the idea of go with Steph, hedge with LeBron. Yeah, it's, it's easy to root for Steph too to win the MVP, man. 
and look, don't blame me. Don't blame me if it doesn't work out for you. I didn't think LaMelo Ball would be very good. So just just know I, I'm not exactly a Straustradamus so far this season. I like that, dude. We'll stick with Straustradamus, or not exactly Straustradamus. So, Ethan, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for stopping by, dude. We'll catch up with you uh, maybe midway through the season or at that, uh, that little hiatus point, dude. Sounds fantastic. I like getting into the betting odds about the MVP, and he's right. It's tough to hedge these bets, so maybe LeBron James is a pretty smart one if you're looking at Steph Curry. But per basketball reference right now, they've got this model about how they gauge the MVP tracker as far as the top 10. They gauge it based on what candidates have done using previous voting results for previous and past MVPs. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, LeBron, Giannis, and Kawhi all at the top of that list. Steph Curry not even mentioned in the top 10. So if you can get those odds like he was talking about at plus 1100, plus 1000, put 100 down or maybe 50 bucks down to win yourself $600. That might not be a bad bet at all. And again, you can check out all those odds at betmgm.com. Great conversation with Ethan. Thank you to Ethan. Thank you to Brian. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. On Monday, we turn our sights to Major League Baseball. Eno Saris, who covers the San Francisco Giants, had a great piece about how Major League Baseball has announced this season they're going to start deadening the baseballs in order to cut down on the number of home runs. The Korean Baseball Organization did this a couple of years ago and had great success with limiting the number of home runs per season. We'll see if fans like this and what the impact on the season may be all stuff we'll talk about monday with Eno saris but until then enjoy the weekend we'll talk to you monday